Yeah, if you want. Diddly dum British Strongman Podcast, episode 88, 87, 86. So, today, what I want to talk about, Shane, is the seven staples of strongman programming in terms of exercises. We're just thinking about something interesting that we could talk about. Just so everybody knows, by the way. We get zero, well, I don't know about you, but I get zero notice on this podcast. So, seven states, this is something I just need to prep for. Well, I can, I can do it off the top of my head, to be fair, I already know the answer. <laughs> but it's quite a complex, quite a complex topic, that, Josh. Yeah. Well, literally, I've just, I've just made my lunch. I finished, finished about 10 minutes ago, and I just made, made some uh, yogurt and berries, and I thought, right, uh, I know Shane won't have prepared anything to talk about, so uh, I'll, let's create something interesting. So I just thought it'd be quite quite interesting. To just we have to pick seven exercises. If we had to build a program around seven exercises, what right, okay. around seven exercises? Right, okay, I thought you meant like uh, pr- principles mainly. No. Uh, exercises, right? Okay. Yeah, just exercise. There's so many angles that we could go at with this. And what I want to what I want to do is. But in the next 10, 15 minutes or whatever, talk about seven exercises that we agree on and we compromise and we agree on, and then some that we maybe don't don't agree on and what we what we change. All right, so we'll just go back and forth. You go first, staple. And let's be, be specific with the variation as well, and like assume that. Yeah, let's be specific with the variation. Yeah, I would say for, for, for my programming, um, well, if we have to pick very, obviously I say log, but, um, yeah, you know, to me, to me, I, I do push and strict. Uh, so does that count as two or? That's two. Right. Well, I would, I would, um, I would, well, I would just go with push then mainly, to be honest with you. But for me and my programming, it always starts off at pushes the fundamental, but for 50-50 clients, 50% of my clients end up transitioning to strict. Not out of any force or anything, it goes that way with the way we teach it. So I would say if I had to pick one in this scenario, I would, I would still stay with log, log clean and push press because most people would start off running that. Um, and the reason why... I would choose that over an axle or a barbell or whatever is for me, I truly believe that the log, you can accumulate more volume and frequency on a log. Well, most people can anyway, if you've got, because most people in Strongman don't have a perfect rack position and technique for the barbell and axle. Whereas the log, it's very quick to pick up. Um, they can do more volume, more frequency, etc. on it. So if I had to pick like a press variation, I'd go log. Mm. Great answer. <clears throat> and I'd agree with that. And um, I'd agree with log push press as well. I feel like the, like obviously your your style, you get you, you, you like getting people strict pressing, better at strict pressing, sport the push press, blah, 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 blah. Like I'll go down the route of, getting a solid push press and then introduce jerk variations and stuff like that. But for most people in terms of listening to this, that are going to get the most value. Yeah. Log push press. And I find that, and I would pick the log and log push press. Um, 
ahead of like Axel and Barbell because I find that in from my experience that if you get someone push push pressing a log really well that will transfer really well to the axle and the barbell and stuff. You can get them controlling a rack on the on the uh, log. It'll transfer over to axle. But the same is not necessarily true the other way around. And you see a lot of people will get really good at like barbell press from the rack or whatever, expect themselves to be kind of... But, but the, don't, don't necessarily know, like respect how difficult it's going to be the transition to log in terms of feel and stuff like that. So, yeah, I agree with that, definitely. Yeah, I also agree. I think, like, just like you're saying, if you get good at log, it's an easy transition. Let's say you had Axel come up in a comp and you got four weeks notice and you've been logging. Yeah. Easier transition, transition from log to Axel, rather than the other way around. So, yeah, I think that's class. And you know what I think, going off a little tiny mini bit off topic, I think yeah. it's it's class. I always think this. That our coaching services. It's just. It's kind of well known now. If you come to me, I'm going to get you stripped in a log, and you're probably going to get pretty good at it. Um, and certain style of lifters that think they might be more suited to that can kind of come to me. I don't. Nec- I don't really. I don't ever really put jerk unless if someone asks to do. But I don't really. Pu- I don't really push the split jerk. And I think it's cool that you do because there are athletes out there that are more suited to that. And our coaching services are like good and different. And you know, I think it's just cool how we've, we've got our own little way that's both successful. I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah, definitely agree with that. So what we're going to say, we're going to say log lift or are we going to say, i.e. the clean and press as one, or are we going to say, would you just do, choose the push press from well, your shoulders? Push press, the log clean and push press because to me it's in the middle it's uh, it's in between split. It's in between a split jerk, in between yeah, a strip press, and most people can do it, you know, off the bat. So yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. So so I would say the log lift, specifically the put the push press, and I would say that the including the clean on this lift as one of the seven lifts that we're going to go for is going to be great because if the you clean in a log, the transfer that we can have to over to like say loading events and. Just basically like the be, being really explosive with the the lower body, um, and the skill level's pretty low. Like it, like you can just say to people, launch the log up to your shoulders, explosive, explosive as hell, and there's 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 not much that it can go wrong with, to be honest. Um, yeah, you can see you can get all the benefits of triple extension and a power clean and a log. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and you teach somebody a power clean or something, it's going to literally take, um, you know, it's just going to literally take fucking months, isn't it, to get a power clean technique even slightly efficient. So, yeah, you get all the benefits quickly on the log. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, the clean, like, say, loading events, um, stones, just getting good at understanding that position on the stomach and where where's most efficient, get loads of benefits from it. Right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have an easy one then. So I'm gonna say deadlift from the floor. I'm gonna say stiff bar. Yeah, stiff stiff bar deadlift from the floor. Um, just found no brainer really. I think mo- most of the yeah. comps, most of the comps you'll do will be 
you'll be, be deadlifting from the floor. A lot of people fall into this thing of thinking that, uh, oh, strongman, so we can use a deadlift bar. But actually, most comps, really, there'll be some kind of stiff power bar or standard bar or, or even like an axle. You find that a, a transition over to axle from a stiff bar is can feel quite similar. And I feel like a, lo- a lot of people, I'm, I don't feel like I'm one of these. I feel like I need to, a bit of a transitional phase, but there's a lot, I know for a fact, a lot of people, they'll pull on a stiff bar and then they'll go and even leave it till comp day where they'll go and pull on a deadlift bar and they'll feel like, oh, deadlift bar is amazing. Um, personally, I like to kind of build the skill or whatever. But but anyway, anyway, d- um, stiff bar deadlift from the floor. <laughs> What do you think, Jay? So next one I will go with is a front squat. I think we should get some deep knee flexion in there. I think the front squat, I like to ro- I like to rotate my squat variations personally when in my programming. But if I had to pick one, I would say the front squat has the best carryover, especially if we're taking into account the log that we're doing for like the overhead press style lift that I've picked. I would say that the front squat enables the person to get into front rack. And if they don't have the mobility for it, at least they can work towards a front rack position, which would make the transition from like log to axle a little easier because you attain a front rack. Also, you're building that upright torso, thoracic strength, and um, you know it's a quad dominant uh, movement, uh, which we would you know, like to get at least one one exercise in of that fashion in. Oh, I also just think the front squat's got the best carryover to to strongman, to be honest. So yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I lo- love the fact that yeah, if I had to pick one, it'd probably be front squat. I w- I would say I, w- I would say kind of going against what I said buddy 10 minutes ago being specific but I would say front loaded squat and I'll and I'll very often get people to I'll I'll often put that at the start of a phase or a cycle or whatever and then get them to pick a variation that they're confident in executing well whether that be say front rack whether it be cross grip whether it be with straps whether it be some people like do it like just hold a better technique and Get get the get the head round it better with the with the zercher squat. Find that they can go really heavy and feels good on the knees and the joints and stuff like that. Um, so generally, I'd say a, a front loader, even like say doing like um, a sandbag squat uh, or a stone squat as a progression from like a heavy goblet squat. So for those those people who are listening who haven't done much squatting or you you find it you you've tried back squatting and. A common thing that people, where people were struggling to back squat is they they struggle to a lot of people struggle hitting depth, um, through flexibility, motor control, whatever. Um, but you just find that generally, if you can find a um, a front loaded squat that you can rack really well, i.e., say like a goblet squats, your kind of really good teaching tool for people. If you grab like a twenty kilo dumbbell, hold it in front of you. You're gonna have a really a lot. You're gonna have a lot easier time learning how to get into that kind of deep knee knee flexion, hip hip flexion uh, control. Um, but the advantage of of getting of doing like say a sandbag squat, say 
grabbing like a 40, 50, 60 kilo sandbag is you're getting a lot heavier stimulus than say the goblet squat, but it's just so easy to rack. You just bear hug it. And then the weight acts as a counterbalance and just guide you into this perfect squat position. So if you're listening and you're somebody who's, who's tried front squats and you, you just can't get the rack feeling good, even with straps or whatever, just, just try, try doing like a, say grabbing like a, a heavy sandbag and doing some squats uh, or a light stone or something like that. And uh, you might be surprised at how easy it is to get you, get yourself into the rhythm of doing that. Find that maybe doing three or four weeks doing that and then go back to your front squats. You, you might, whilst, Say so you could do something like a sandbag or a zercher squat while simultaneously working like say front rack mobility in between sets as like a superset or a pair and that as a fit as like almost like a preparation phase for uh, going into some uh, front squats. Anyway, I've got, got into a bit more depth for that. Um, but yeah, front, front squats I think absolutely brilliant, um, especially for strongman because Obviously, we've talked in depth about the transfer to overhead events and stuff like that. But but just simply, you look at you look at any kind of strongman comp, and you look at what we're doing uh, in terms of training or preparation. Most of the exercises are posterior chain dominant, aren't they? The they're using the backside of the body. The you're talking your cleans, your deadlifts, your deadlifts from different heights, your pickups from the floor, your palmers pickups, your loading events and stuff. It's all it it it's largely posterior chain dominant. So we get these like strong hamstring, back stuff like that. So if you're doing like a if you're doing like a low bar, if you're doing look like a low bar squat, obviously that's going to be more posterior chain dominant than say a say a front loaded squat, but you find with a lot of people what, who do strongman, who are this, who have got this posterior chain dominance of, of like do a high bar or a safety bar squat. And then like we've talked about in recent episodes, like they'll be fighting against this kind of basically the, the posterior, the back and the hamstrings and glutes wanting to do all the work and the quads not working properly, uh, not working as well as they could be. Whereas the front squat is kind of holding you more accountable to that upright torso and, and in terms of giving you that more quad activation. What do you reckon, Shane? Yeah, yeah. 100%. I think the front squat's fucking class, mate, to be honest with you. I, I use it a lot with people. Um, and yeah, I think it gets... I think that the only problem I see with front squat is people's attitude towards it because oftentimes they get under the bar on the first session if they've not really done it before and sometimes this is where I find it gets a bit skewed is when people have a big back squat but they've never really front squatted and they want to front squat like big weights so they come in and 70 kilo feels all right they put like 100 on 120 they feel like it's going to slip off and they don't like the rack position and they spit the dummy out and don't persevere with it. Whereas as soon as you acquire that rack position where it's just completely straight through midline and it feels sweet, it becomes a lovely exercise. Um, and I always, you can always tell the attitude, I've also coached a lot of lifters, so you can kind of see the attitude difference between some people where some people will be like, on the feedback they'll write, you know what, this felt shit. Ego got the better of me. Next week, I'm just going to do one plate, mate, and I'm going to 
figure this shit out. And then they go from there and build up. Whereas other people would be like, nah, mate, this is fucking shit. I, I couldn't do it. It was bullshit. I don't want to do it. It's frustrating me. Let's get safety bar back in. And and the two different mindsets. Um, that's why I like front squat because I tell those people like that. I'm like, no. I'm like, you're a fucking funny. Like, you're front squatting. You're not getting the safety bar. Figure it out. And it sometimes I've got to force people to go through it. But then once they come out the other end, it's always worth it. So I've never, ever thought to myself that the front squat... I, I'm always confident to force people to front squat because I know once they're finished, the, you know, that going for that shit phase of acquiring the rack and getting the position, et cetera, it'll benefit them so much. Yeah. Um, so front squat. Yeah, I would definitely stick it as a... If I had to pick seven exercises, it would definitely be uh, in there. Right, next one then, Josh Wan. Your, your, your shot. Number four, what are we going with? Uh, I'm going to say a front carry of sorts. I'm going to say... Um, some, some kind of front carry. Maybe a, maybe a sandbag carry. Or... Some kind of front carry. So either a sandbag carry, or I'm thinking in my head like a zercher carry. Um, if I had to pick one, just because well, <clears throat> the rationale behind them both. So the sandbag, obviously, it's great. It's going to feel feel similar to like say it's going to be great for medleys. It's going to be great for building endurance for carries for distance and it's going to transfer to like Husafel, Conan's, stuff like that. What's great about the sandbag is that once you can push yourself and once you're done and go, to, you can push yourself to the limit, the sandbag just drops on the floor and nobody gets hurt. It's a safe piece of kit to, to really use. Whereas the problem, problem with the sandbag is like if you just had to pick, if you didn't, don't have a large selection of them, like it can be quite limiting if you've just got a 60, it can be say too light for some stuff, but it can be, but like a 90 could be too heavy for some stuff. The thing what I like about the, the idea of the Zert to carry is like, it's so scalable in terms of the weight that you can put on. Um, you could, you can just put it, I, I like having them. So the, the, the yoke is just skimming off the floor so you can go super, you could go really heavy, you could go white. You'll probably do up to like 200, 250 or something like that with a really high pickup. If you were doing, if you were doing, you wanted to do an event where you're, say, doing like a, a hoose of from the floor or whatever, you just put the crossbar lower to prep for that. If you wanted to do it, you wanted to do the practice, the flexion pick, the element of the pickup as well you just put the crossbar lower so i quite like that because i think you can get that to transfer to any kind of, you can get it feeling like a conan's you could get it feeling like a a sandbag by putting the thing low and get it uh, get it up it's so easy to scale in terms of weight you could do 50 kilos one session could do 250 the next session um so, yeah, I'm actually I'm, I'm going to go with that, actually. I'm going to go Zerch, front carry Zerch, a yoke. Convince yourself. Pardon? Convince yourself there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when I thought about it, I just think, I just think, 
Yeah, I just I just think that thinking about it there, reflecting on it, I think it's transfer more transferable. I think you can get that to transfer to sandbag carry, um, but not necessarily sandbag a transfer to that. Like I think that would be better for prepping for like a Conan's finding the right position for Conan's. Uh, I think it would feel more similar to Husafel or a shield carry. Um, yeah, quite like quite like that actually. You could do like but start it up at the bottom and just do the pickups and do like bottom like a kind of uh, like a front squat variation. Yeah, I fucking love that actually. Thinking about it, uh, but it, it's one of those things that I don't actually program for people that much because um, because you have access to all this other other kind of kit. Like one day we'll do a sandbag, one that the next week we'll do like sandbag for distance, so you can go with one of the lighter sandbags. Then we'll do a heavy Husafel or lower Husafel, and then we'll do a keg. Whereas actually, if you just had to pick one, I think thinking about it, the Zurchig yoke could be similar, could have transferred to all those individual things better than the individual things would have transferred to each other. Go on then, Shane, fight me on that. I mean, to be honest, mate, I would say a front carry needs to be in there. In my opinion, carry as long as there's. I mean, I wouldn't do it. I don't program Zerk. Well, you just said you don't program. I wouldn't say, is this something I don't use regularly? I would just say sandbag because um, like, I think that it's more likely someone's going to get a sandbag than a Conan's, basically. That would be my only argument. Is that, I completely understand what you're saying, but 90%, 80% of comps are going to have some kind of keg sandbag medley or sandbag loading or something, usually. Uh, and then your odd one's going to have a Conan's. But I think they both, like I said, they, but they all carry over to everything. So it's like, I think as long as you've got a front, a front carry should be a fundamental in a strongman program. And realistically, I don't, I don't think it matters too much what it is, as long as someone's doing a front carry consistently. Right, go on then. Let's be pussies and just say, yeah, number four, front carry. And then we've got, we've given people an idea there on there. Two different angles. So we've got log lift, stiff bar deadlift from the floor, front squat, front carry. Your go, Shane. What have we got now? This is where we're going to start disagreeing, I think, because we've only got three left. <laughs> five, seven left. Now, I, we need a grip for definite. So I'll let, uh, the grip's an easy cop. I'm not going to pick that one. We definitely need a grip because we're not going <laughs> And... Um, you can't, you can't just say you can't just say that and then not. No, I'm not it. When you've only got three left, this is where our programming styles completely differ because I'm a huge fan <laughs> assistance and structural balance. And I would if I had to pick seven exercises for somebody and they had to run it for a year, I would favor structural balance and longevity over specificity. I can never say that word. So although I need a stone, I would probably say you need a stone and you need a grip, but I would I would personally favour, um, I'm not sure whether I would go with hip or shoulder stability. I would probably go with a pull-up is what I would go with because I would use it to do grip and I would use it as a lat assistance and shoulder health exercise. You could use You could do passive hangs on there, the grip in between your pull-ups, you train your lats. It's the opposite movement of an overhead press. And you can 
vary that up with, you know, different grips and different positions, neutral grip, wide grip, supinated grip, fat grip on little balls, whatever for extra grip work. So I would personally go a little bit different to what maybe expected and go with a, a pull up. Okay. So just to agree on that, we're going to have to say grip, aren't we? Grip. I'd say grip, Kerry. I'd say, I'd say farmers. I yeah. said, I'd say farmers carries because um, obviously the, the grip stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I say that if you, you can do farmers well with the instability of the, having to stabilise both sides, you go to a frame and generally the you'll fa find it find it easier. Uh, yeah, I'd pick a farmers carry over a frame. So we're going to say grip anyways as that whole thing. And then the specifics of that is where we disagree because I believe that I, I I I believe in structural balance as well and I think it's important and I believe that that can be achieved through doing doing the stuff that's if you if you add constraints and um, prioritize certain things when you train but I believe that that can be achieved with um doing like the strongman exercises but anyway i think that's a fucking another episode in itself isn't it um, yeah that's really really the main our training philosophy and opinion and stuff are fairly similar really yeah um, one of our big things that's quite different is yeah I use a lot of bullshit don't i um that's what i call it as well bullshit like i use a lot of Glute work, isolated glute work. There's not not specific at all to, yeah, young man. It's more about the human, more so. Like I don't even take the, not even care what the like. I'd give this to any. I give that stuff to anyone in any sport. Yeah, situation. Whereas you're more about adjusting the specific movements, which I think. I mean, it's it's a credit to your coaching because like the progressions that you've been able to give to people, like the twins is a good example because they're obviously known for the deadlift, but when you just don't look at that and you look at everything they've done, it's a very noticeable um, improvement across the board and they, they never really get injured, do they? So, you know, yeah. it's obviously... Well, that, that's it. Like, I feel that, like... <clears throat> I get like a great example. We're both on the same page in terms of like structural balance and like is fucking paramount and recovery. And like that, that's pro probably the number one training principle for me is like getting people so they fe feel able to train and put in the work consistently by being recovered. We can't just fucking do exactly, we can't just do the things that we that, that that you're good at or you 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 want to do all the time or just go really really heavy all the time or whatever or just do the same thing all the time because of this recovery thing and like we say structural balance that we both value but like our kinds of routes to get in there is um is is different which it, which is Really interesting. It'd be good to talk about another another episode, actually. Yeah, no way. There's no what. I'm real open minded to training. I think the right way or wrong way. But what's happened is, me and you have had similar-ish 
personal issues and I fix mine one way and researched and done and applied this way. And we all, you remember you ate your back, you rehabbed your back, didn't you? By um, deadlifting. So, you know, it kind of led you in that direction. And I think it's class because I always say this, I don't know everything. I'm never going to know everything. And there's too many variables and there's too many ways to achieve the same outcomes. There's no point. I never think my way is right this is wrong i just know my way works and i'm like yeah Come. i'm not going to change it because i'm like this is the way i've gone so yeah i think i think it's good this is why i like this podcast as well because we can it's hard to talk to people that are doing this you know we kind of because we could be seen as competition couldn't we but we don't like yeah. you know what i mean but we both understand that if we're not and we can help each other well, and well, i think what is so good is the book is the both for we're saying these things and we're both fucking, I think it's great that all these important things that I feel like some people kind of, some people just ignore or aren't aware about, or they haven't had to deal with stuff that comes from that. Like, I think, I think it's great that we're both like acknowledge that it's such an important thing. It's just the way that we address it is completely different. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like, like in order to keep, like, it's not just that, we haven't been lucky fucking coaching people for years and getting them better and getting people niggles, like people get niggles and injuries and things flare up. And I don't panic. You don't panic. You know what you do. You know what you'll pull back and add this in or whatever. I know what, I, what I'll do. And um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that's a that's a really good point is like people people staying away from injuries and stuff like that and managing injuries i don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that say a lot of the time we're keeping most people pushing them pushing the bodies re, re, like to extremes almost but because we value these principles even though we address them in different ways like I think it's uh, re really impressive from both from both of us, to be honest. But yeah, yeah perfect. I mean, uh, but every time something happens, we always, I always learn from it, and then yeah. you know, just the way it's just the way it goes, isn't it? But yeah, it's cool. So we've got we've got five. We'll settle on grip on that one. Did I choose that one or you? I chose that one, didn't I? You, yeah. So number six, then Joshua. Oh, um. I'm going to say st stone loading. Yeah, I'm going to say stone loading or low. I'm going to say loading, and then we can decide like how specific are we going to decide on that? Like we're going to say, I would say stone as well. I, I consider stone almost like you know you got dead in powerlifting. Mm -hmm. I really consider stone as like one of those strongman because even if it's not in every comp usually at the bigger shows, like if you're going to nationals like that, there's probably going to be a stone run or a stone for reps or something like that. It's, to, to me, and it's it's just a classic strongman event. And it should be that way, I think. It should be in most in most uh, because Everybody knows that. Like, I love it where it's like, oh, it comes down to stones. You know, I love that when it comes down to stones. I think it's cool. And um, yeah, to me, it's, it's an event that, it builds a lot of posterior chain strength from the pickups, teaches a lot of cues that are applicable to many events in strongman. 
the position that you get into for the extension. Again, whether you replace that for a keg or a sandbag or an odd object or a log, it's all similar-ish extension. I mean, obviously slight adjustments, but I think it's just, I think stone's fucking class, mate. And I'm so, I like to talk about it now because I'm back doing stones every week and I fucking, reminding me how much, now that that I don't get any pain and I can just train them again. Oh, mate, they're fucking class, all of them. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, and the thing, the thing is, if you, it's one of one of those things where you could say, well, the, in terms of movement patterns, sandbag, a heavy sandbag is going to transfer well, but you need to, you, everybody needs to learn how to use tacky, like that. That's just that's just the thing. Even lads who are really strong, who have like say getting into strong, say someone who's who, who've come from powerlifting and they've got really big numbers, the pressing's good, the deadlifting's good, the moving, whatever. They still need to learn how to put tacky on and what that feels like compared to um, well, not using it. Not just about slapping it on, is it? Because I, I, it was you that taught me this. I'd obviously done stones for years before you'd even ever lifted a stone. But then you being the way you are and so intricate and break everything down, you uh, spoke about tacky once and we're talking about how you want to put on your hands and the way you put, the way you place your hand on the stone and you don't need as much on your forearm. And I was always one of these that when we got the tacky, we just slapped it everywhere. Hands, forearms, like fucking my bicep. I didn't care where it was. I just get tackied up. And then I was doing it wrong without knowing for years. And two things helped me get rid of my pain on the stones. First one was actually training my biceps in isolation because they were so weak in isolation. Uh, they just they were just terrible, mate. So that definitely had a big impact. But then, But then the second impact was learning where to put my hands on the stone exactly, learning where the kind of, I should be applying the most squeeze into the stone, if that makes sense. Because before I was just like getting my forearm and wrist and hand and everything, squeezing with everything and just relying on the amount of tack to like lift the stone off the floor. Whereas when I learned to put a bit more force into my hands on the pickup, and be a bit more relaxed in the fall. Like it's still touching, but I'm not actively like squeezing this top bit into the stone as much. Yeah. That produced a lot of pain. So like you say, it's uh, even, even just putting the tacky on and where to put it and how to do it. It's a skill. Like, and, 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 and I think a lot of strong men will have the habits that I had because I didn't, I wasn't even aware of them. You know what I mean? Until someone told me, I wouldn't. I didn't think of that shit myself, uh, and it wasn't until you did that I started training. And, and Joe Joe Sko did as well. Joe Sko's been doing some of the things. I can't remember where he said it. Maybe he just did a video on it. I don't know. I seen it somewhere anyway, and so did Joe. We've been doing it. And it honestly works really well. Yeah, nice one. Um, so yeah, and you got you get your head around that skill, and then you can go and apply that to like a heavy sandbag pickups. It's the same principles of trying to keep your arms long and using your hand like a, almost like a wrist, like a little shovel, if you will, um, rather yep. than kind of kind of squeezing with the biceps. Um, but you could get really, really strong with the sandbag, go to stone and then be be, be re- really, really struggling. If you if you don't like because you can't read it, you can't read you can't watch my fucking inst- you can't watch people's Instagram and YouTube and shit 
and then like be like, oh yeah, yeah, well, I know what to do. It is something that you need to feel and you need to know what it feels like. When you when you go to try and break that stone off the floor and you feel like it's attached to your, your hands or your, your arm or whatever, and you're not having to 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 over squeeze if you will um which again will transfer to the other kind of any kind of pickup between the legs so number seven final final one for today and by the way i was just pick, i just picked seven because i thought it sounded interesting but we could do ten we could do five i think we've no. got a nice little list here something to finish off with if i had to choose some I would probably, it's a bit random this one as well, I'd probably choose a throw, mate, to be honest with you, because... That's a, that's a good, really good call, actually. Yeah, just because it's easy to recover from, it teaches so many principles, and it's so it, it carries over to a lot of things. It's a common issue event that's cropping up, but also... I think you get you get a lot more out of a throw, don't you, than just being good at the throw. Learning how to hips, getting your extension right, the fact that you can do the frequency with it, it's concentric only, really. Well, for the most part, anyway. Um, you know, it's you know, it's it's all right. It's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, cool. We'll go with that then. So ones that didn't quite make the list that, that I was going to say, if you'd have come to me then, I was going to say yoke, um, just because it seems to be in a lot of competitions. It'll, um, find... Yeah, the reason I didn't say yoke is just because I'm thinking we're moving with the yoke and mm-hmm. a, we've got the farm. You say I said farmers on grip, so I was yeah. like, Sacrifice a bit of moving for another thing that I thought was drag, mate, because I think drags are really underutilized. I've been putting a lot of drags in recently, not just because they're in comps, but I think they're just really good for like your knees, your conditioning, your yeah. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of stuff you get from drags. And again, it's getting that with with the, with, the, with like a sled drag, you're getting them. Um... You're getting some anterior chain stuff in there, so it's like you're getting the quad extension, aren't you? Like the the squatting. So this could be an example where people are like really, really strong. They don't necessarily train sled sled drag, but they kind of expect to do it on. Or they they, they might think the oh well, I've, I've I've been really good at truck pull. I can do uh, drags that way, but they go to reverse it, and it's a completely different set of muscle groups. Where, where it's, um, like we said, we can't rely on that kind of back strength as quite as much. And it's um, there's m- more about quad extension where, yeah, I think that's... And the, the, what was the other thing that I was going to say? We've missed, missed something else. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's the list. Log lift, stiff body lift from the floor, front squat variation, front carry going to say grip Shane said pull up so I said um farmers loading we both agreed on stones there and then Shane said throwing I would have said yoke um but yeah I can't can't discredit the throw because it's coming up that that's an example with the throwing that's coming up so much in comps and there's no there's no shortcut to it you need to fucking practice it even you're, if you're an absolute animal, 
like an animal that can launch. Do you remember when Mitch Mitch came? Mitch did it, and he threw the fucking sandbag to the back of the room, and it was just... Well, did you watch Brit? Yeah. Did you see Ryan England's? Uh, yeah. That's an example of someone, if he trained that properly and got taught... Yeah. He had, he had loads of power, but it was just really uh, miscued. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah it's, like you say, there's no way around it, is there? Like... You need to uh, you need to practice it. That, that's a, that's a great, a really good example actually, because um, you could tell that with Shane, like he's he beat beaten Tom Stoltman on that. He came first, didn't he? Shane Flowers, absolutely yeah. amazing. And like you can't you can't just pick him up and be and be as good as that because that what was it the twenty eight the final bag was it that was on on his limit, wasn't it? Yeah. Like it was close to his limit. He could do. He could could have very easily, like, been a couple of degrees out, hit the crossbar, and then up, and then all of a sudden he's fucked, and he's gone that, from it, everything has to be perfect. Yeah, and it would go over, and and that that run because someone said to me that Tom Stolt could because there was a four and a half or five second difference between James and Tom Stolt, and someone said that Tom Stolt could have beat him if they wanted, and I was like. It's a different ball game, mate. Five seconds is a different... Because Tom could take his time and make sure everything was perfect. Yeah. As soon as you try and chip five seconds off that, it's 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 50... I mean, it, admittedly, he could do it, but it's not just a definite. It could He could miss one. You know what I mean? He could throw yeah. it like three out here. It's really... To, to be that fast and efficient, you've got to be like a robot. You've got to be so well drilled that every bag is the same. Um and those bags on the day were Iron Mills bags, not Cerberus strength bags. And the handle was about three inches longer. And um, Shane came over to me straight away and was like, mate, these, these handles feel weird because they're almost scraping the floor if I use my normal position. And he was like, what should I do? Should I take my time or just do what I've trained for? And I made the executive I didn't want I didn't want to be put under that much pressure but I made the executive decision to just say let's not change anything let's go fast like we plan to and you'll just as the athlete you'll just adjust as you go you know you'll feel the first bag you'll feel the difference you'll adjust on the second as by the time you get to the last bag you'll have made all your calculations and and adjust and then he, he did it and it worked really well but little things like that as well make it more risky for someone like Tom to speed up because the bag is slightly different. It just takes that like Bish didn't get the first bag over, did he? Because it just went fucking, they just didn't go over because the bags are slightly different and you're trying to go fast. Easy to make mistakes, isn't it? Yeah. A f- funny little story to r- wrap up on, actually. You know, where Sh- Shane came and trained, trained bag throw at, at my gym. And yeah, the twenty six bag, and they yeah. put like a couple of kilos in to make it twenty eight. Yeah, and then uh, and then he was training that, and then a few days later, the next week, uh, Paul Smith was using it, was getting mauled by it. <laughs> he didn't realise it was it, the plate was in it. <laughs> so. So you wonder why he was getting mauled by this uh, the twenty six bag where well, it was twenty eight because it had the plate still left in it. Anyway, yeah, it's quite. A, <laughs> it's quite. A, it's a. Have you um? If you try and throw the heavy bag over five meters, it's fucking hard, mate. Like it's that extra fight, that extra. Because what was? Is your gym got the five meter thing? It's got five meters, is it? Four point six, isn't it? 
Yeah, but that 4.6 is high. Yeah. And didn't they have five metres in the... Uh, or was it 4. Point, or was it 4.5 and they were training for most people? Which way around was it? Yeah, I think it was 4.5 and 4.6. I think it's like 15 foot, isn't it? Okay, yeah, because yeah, sorry, it was most people basically most people were training four meters for that, yeah. and then on the day it was four point five, and it it's it's doesn't sound a lot, but it's a massive difference, isn't it? So yeah, it's it's crazy because I think for the four point five, you've got to have a much more vertical throwing line. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The trajectory's got to be right, hasn't it? Like you, you you haven't got a fucking margin for error, basically. Yeah, it's just really difficult. So yeah, the the event the throwing event guys. Big tip for you that I learned this prep is make sure you train the exact height. Don't think, oh, yeah, it's, it'll do. Go to the extra effort to, to put that up because, honestly, it really it changes the throw completely. It really does. Yeah, or if anything, go a little bit above. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, well, yeah, that's better. 4.6 that you've got is perfect, isn't it? Because yeah. it's a little a touch higher, aren't you? So, yeah, yeah well, well, one of the most impressive things one of the well things I've seen in training re- recently was uh, Tim the other day. He did 20, 20 for five over that four point six. Really, and a lot a lot of people listen to this and they won't be able to imagine like how how difficult that is. But yeah, that's that's hard. Yeah, especially for five because that's like basically build up the fatigue of a full bag run by the fifth rep, isn't it? So yeah, is that is that no misses as well? Just five in a row. Just did a set of five, yeah. You want if, if if you told Tim that like a year ago, he'd say you fuck off, wouldn't it? Because well, he, we like what was this? It was like missing like fourteen over four. It was crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah, so that's just an example, guys, of the progression you can make on a bag if you give it the uh, the, the frequency and the, the investment that that it needs. Uh, because Tim would pretty much do that as a warm-up, wouldn't he, up to Worlds? Is that what he did? Oh, yeah, he's like, done it like three times a, three times a week for, for about a year or something. And and to be fair, like, <clears throat> people are, like, he'll compete under 80, him and Joe under 80 this year or whatever, and they'll, I, I think they'll clean up any bag throw event and it'll be one of those things where people will go, oh, yeah, they're good at that, whereas they were horrendous. Like... It's weird how it was, isn't it? You put a load of graft into summer and then um, people just go, oh, yeah, it's a good event from that. It's like, well, uh, <laughs> yes, I'd made it a good event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. But, oh, oh yeah, so I'm, I'm doing a <clears throat> bag throw masterclass on, on Wednesday night. Um, so go onto my Instagram, Linktree, and you can buy your ticket to the... We've done the, we've done the dumbbell, axle and log. The last three weeks have been great. You can still purchase those off the link tree, um, and you can sign up for the for the throw throwing event. Really looking forward to it. Right, mate. All right. See you later. Nice one.